Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. I want to begin by asking you a very simple question. Have you ever been invited to something and then you said no and then you regretted it? Or how about the opposite? Have you ever been invited to something and it felt like an obligation at the beginning, didn't feel like an opportunity, but uh, you, you went anyway and after you did, you were so glad that you came. You thank God that you came because something amazing happened and you couldn't imagine, you know, if you hadn't gone, you wouldn't experience that amazing thing, right? Now, that happened to me when I was about 26 years old. I was working at the time in Singapore. I don't know if you know, but some of you know that in my previous life, I used to be a computer programmer, believe it or not. So at the time, I was working for the Supreme Court of Singapore, and a friend of mine asked me to go on a mission trip with him. And I had a lot of things to do, so I had all kinds of excuses not to go. But this friend of mine, he insisted that I come with him on this mission trip to visit the Sarawai tribe in South Sumatra, deep in the jungle of Sumatra. It's very hard to get to, but he said, you're going to love it there because he's been there before. Uh, And so, uh, reluctantly, at the time, I said yes. So I decided to come with him on this mission trip, and I'm telling you, this mission trip literally changed the trajectory of my life. Because on that trip, I met with this young German missionary. And at the time, she was also 26 years old, so she was my age. And believe it or not, I don't think it was a coincidence, she was also a computer programmer. But at the time, she was already spending two years with the Sarawai tribe deep in the jungle of Sumatra. This young lady from Germany had spent two years with this tribe in Sumatra. So I met her and the trajectory of my life changed. My heart became on fire for God, for Jesus. So when I came back from that trip, uh, I decided this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to love Jesus. I wanted to serve people for the rest of my life. So not too long after that, I quit my job, signed up to be trained in in a Bible college. And as they say, the rest is history. Now, why do I tell you this? The reason why I tell you this is because we don't know What is at stake, do we, when we reject or accept an invitation? We don't know what hangs in the balance of an invitation. More on that a bit later on. But we are on part number three of our series, Investigating Jesus, how we know why we follow. How do we know anything about Jesus, whether his story is reliable or not? And why do we need to follow this Jewish man who lived 2,000 years ago? Right? What does that have to do with us? So why do we want to follow a Jewish man as a, as a person living in Australia in the year 2023? So this is very important for us to answer because the whole of Christianity, all right, the rise and fall of Christianity actually falls on this one thing. That is the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, some of you, you are not Uh, a Christian, and like Mike said, we are so grateful that you're here, but maybe you're thinking about it. Maybe you want to investigate. Maybe you want to know more about the Christian faith, but you have a lot of doubts. You have a lot of questions, or maybe 
Some of you, like I shared in the first week, you're about done with church. You have a lot of questions too about faith and you, you are about to leave the Christian faith. And you have a lot of questions that you don't have an answer to, right? Now, when it comes to Christianity, I want you to listen, listen well. Whether you're investigating Christianity or thinking of leaving Christianity, the one important question that you need to ask is not, uh, does God exist? It's not, is the Bible reliable? It's not, what, why bad things happen to good people? Those are fantastic questions and I encourage you to find out answers to those questions, but Christianity is all about asking this very important question that a lot of churches don't encourage people to ask, and the question is this, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John a reliable account of actual events? If the answer is yes, if even one of them, not all of them, (laughs) it doesn't have to be all of them, if one of them, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John is a reliable account of actual events. That means what they said about Jesus must be true. And if what they said about Jesus is true, man, that's game on, right? That means this Jesus is worth investigating. If I were you, if you were exploring faith, if this Jesus was real and what, what was recorded about him, what he said, what he did, what happened to him at the end, his death and resurrection, if everything was reliable and accurate, then I would think twice before I live the Christian faith, even though I still have a lot of questions about the other stuff that I give to you, that they're important as well, but they're not as important as is the account concerning Jesus a reliable account? And that's why we do this series. We do this series for those of you who are investigating Christianity, and we do this series for those of you who are this close to living the Christian faith because of your doubt, because you have questions that you have no answer to, all right? Now, we're going to look at one uh, account concerning Jesus, one of, the bi- one of the four biographies of Jesus written by this guy named Luke, all right? If you don't know anything about Luke, Luke is a physician. He's a medical doctor. How do we know this? Because he travels with Paul, and in his travel with Paul, Paul mentions a lot about Luke, how Luke is a physician. So if you read the letters of Paul, you will find time and again Paul mentioning Luke as, as a healer, as a physician, and he's also a keen and careful and detailed historian. And so Luke began his account of the life of Jesus this way. And we looked at it uh, in the first week. Luke started his account of Jesus' life by saying, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled um, uh, among us. So Luke was not the only one. Luke said, what happened with Jesus, what Jesus said and did, what happened is so important that everyone wants to write a detailed account about this guy called Jesus, and I'm just one of them, Luke said. And I want to be very careful in not missing out on anything. I want to be careful in detailing accurately in as much detail as I can about this person called Jesus. And Luke said, what happened, we got from the first eyewitnesses and the servants of the word. So we're not just getting secondhand or thirdhand information here. We get it straight from the horse's mouth. And so I too decided to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke, get this, all right? Luke was not writing the Bible. He didn't know he was writing the Bible. He didn't know that his letter, his account of Jesus, was going to be collected one day, 400 years later, into this bundle or collection of books that we call the Bible. He didn't know that. As far as he was concerned, he was just writing a piece of history, 
Why? So that you may know. He was writing to one audience, Theophilus. Maybe it's a pseudonym for the lovers of God. So that you may know with certainty. So you don't have to have faith on your faith. You see, a lot of young people today, we told them, you just have to believe. In other words, what we're encouraging, to, encouraging them to do is to have faith on their faith, as if like their faith is not reliable, as if their faith cannot be tested. And Luke said, no, no, I don't want you to have faith on your faith. I want you to have faith that is based on certainty, that is based on facts, all right? That's the reason why Luke wrote what he wrote. And so, the last two weeks, we looked at how there was a great anticipation before the birth of Jesus, and Luke detailed, right, in very detailed manner, the, the birth of Jesus, how Jesus first, well, the news about the birth of Jesus first appeared to the shepherds, right? Now, think about this with me. If Luke wanted to make up a story, right, he wouldn't put shepherds. He wouldn't include shepherds as, as part of the story because shepherds were considered the, the lowliest, right? One of the lowliest of people. In fact, the words of shepherds will not hold up, will not hold up in the court of law. Nobody trusted shepherds, right? So why would you include shepherds in the story of the birth of Jesus if they were not considered reliable? If you ask Luke that question, his answer would be, because that's what happened. I'm just recording what happened. I don't care if it's reliable or not to you, but that's what happened. And so the birth of Jesus was recorded in detail by Luke. And then he also told uh, us about the, the precursor to Jesus, John the Baptist, who prepared the way for this ministry of Jesus, all right? And because of that, Jesus became popular very quickly. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 4, where Luke said this, news about Jesus spread through the whole countryside, the whole Galilea, Galilean area at the time. He was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. Everyone praised him. In other words, people loved Jesus immediately, not only because of his teaching, not only because of, you know, uh, his, 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 the fact that he was a rabbi, but people just loved Jesus. You know why? I think because Jesus loved them back. I think because Jesus was not judgmental toward them, and that's why everyone loved Jesus. And I guarantee you, if we follow Jesus the way Jesus lived his life, people will like us too. Unfortunately, not a lot of people like the Christians today because we're not behaving like Jesus. We're not following the ways of Jesus, all right? So he became very popular. He was, he was teaching in different local synagogues. Synagogues are basically local churches at the time, if you don't know, all right? We have one major temple in Jerusalem, and everywhere else we have these little synagogues where people can come and, and worship God. So one of the, this is the context where Luke introduced to us one of the most famous followers of Jesus. His name is Simon Peter. So Simon Peter was in that synagogue listening to Jesus, all right? And then he had an opportunity to invite Jesus to come to his house, and Jesus graciously accepts the invitation of Peter. So he went to Peter's house. He stayed with him overnight, actually, right? Jesus stayed with Peter overnight. And while he was staying at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law became ill. And so Jesus, while waiting for lunch maybe, he, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so the news about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law spread throughout the village. But because it was Sabbath, people didn't dare to bring their sick to Jesus. They waited until sunset. 
And that's what happened, right? At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus obliged. And laying his hands on each one, Jesus healed every single one of them, right? Why would Luke include healing miracles in his account, in his uh, uh, biography of Jesus? By the way, including healing Miracles of Jesus, right, will not make the gospel more credible. By the way, do you know that according to McCrindle Research, healing miracles is a deterrent for an average Australian to come to faith. We think if they hear miracle stories happening in churches, the unchurched will suddenly become believers. No, that's one of the deterrents actually for Australian. And I think in the first century it's the same, right? Why would you believe this, this story of a guy who just touched people's body and they got healed? Who, who, a guy who just uh, spat on people's eyes and then put some mud on their eyes and they, suddenly they can see. Like, it's hard to believe, right? But look, again, if you ask him the question, would say, but that's what happened. I just told you what happened. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm just telling you what happened. And so Jesus became very, very popular, even more popular. And the next day, people came to Jesus and asked Jesus, please, Jesus, stay in our village. Please continue to teach us. Please continue to heal us. But Jesus had to go. As much as Jesus wanted to stay on that, in that village, Jesus said this, no, I can't do this. Why? Because I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, to the other villages also, because that is why I was sent. You see, the kingdom of God is, every single time you read the kingdom of God, it stands for the rule of God. It stands for the authority of God over your life. So if the authority of God over your life doesn't look like something that can be good for you, it doesn't look, it looks like something that could be detrimental to you. That is not the God, that is not from the God that Jesus came to proclaim, all right? If the version of Christianity that you grew up in, or the version of Christianity that you are in right now, doesn't, you know, doesn't indicate good news to you, that is not the original version of Christianity. That is just plain fact, right? That is not the OG Christianity, because the OG Christianity should scream good news, to you. And that's what Jesus is proclaiming all throughout his ministry. And then Luke detailed another account when he did exactly that. And this is where we're going to focus the rest of our time in. All right. So in Luke chapter 5, this is what Luke said. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesareth, also known as the Sea of Galilee, it's not a very big lake, but quite, you know, about 10 kilometers wide, maybe about 20 kilometers uh, long. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. This is super interesting. Why? Because Luke suddenly associate the word of Jesus with the word of God. Because every single time, as 21st century readers of the Bible, when you read the word of God, what are we thinking? We're thinking, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? But here, Luke said, no, they were listening to the word of Jesus, and Luke associated the word of Jesus with the word of God. Obviously, Luke was telling this after the fact. His, his witness, uh, he's heard from the eyewitnesses the death and resurrection of Jesus. Luke knew exactly who Jesus was when he was writing this, all right? 
So that's what happened. And then the crowd kept coming and pushed Jesus toward the water, right? And Jesus had to do something because he wanted more people to listen to him. But he didn't want to get drowned. <laughs> he didn't want to drown at the same time. So this is what happened next. Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And that's it. We were not told any more details in this because I believe the readers of Luke at the time, they knew exactly what was going on. But as the 21st century readers, we don't know what's going on. There's not too much detail, but let me fill you in on the details. I reckon the event that Luke recorded here happened around mid-morning, maybe around 9, 10 o'clock. How do I know that? Because fishermen went out to fish at night at the time, right? When it's cool, so the surface of the water would be cool and fish would go up to the surface of the water and the fishermen would easily catch the fish uh, as the fish went up to the surface of the water. And so that's what happened. But this time, they came back from an all-night fishing trip and caught nothing, all right? They caught zilts. They caught zero. But they still had to wash their nets because inside the nets, they would find water bottles, I don't know what else, lounge chairs. <laughs> Have you ever tried to fish and you think you caught a big fish and then it turned out to be, ah, sandals. <laughs> so that's exactly what happened. They had to clean their nets for the next day fishing trip, all right? So Jesus saw this boat, uh, these two boats left alone by the fishermen while they were cleaning their nets on maybe the other side, right, of the, of the, of the beach. And, and so Jesus got into one of the boats belonging to Simon, Simon Peter. And this is the same Simon Peter uh, that Jesus stayed in, in his house in, right? The same Simon Peter whose mother-in-law mother -in Jesus healed. So this is not the first encounter that Jesus has with Simon Peter. So, he got into one of the boats, and the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he called, uh, this is how imag I imagine the story. He called Peter. Peter was cleaning the nets with his men, right? I reckon Peter was one of the bosses. So Peter was cleaning the nets, and then Jesus saw him, and Peter knew who Jesus was, right? He'd been listening to Jesus. He was staying at his house. So when Jesus motioned to Peter, Peter, Come here. Peter came toward Jesus and he said, Can you help me? I'm still teaching here. There's so much, so many crowds. Can you push me toward the shore? And so Peter did. He got onto the boat together with Jesus and pushed Jesus onto the ocean, toward the ocean, right? Uh, and then he left his men to continue to clean the nets. And here's what happened next. This is going to be incredible. It's amazing. If you've never heard the story before, uh, you'll be blown away. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. What is Jesus asking Peter to do? He's asking Peter to do something that is doable to Peter. This is not something that Peter can't do. It's definitely doable, but it is unreasonable, right? Because think about this. Peter and his men, they were experienced fishermen. They, were not, they didn't start fishing you know, yesterday. They've been doing this for years. And if they've spent all night and not catching anything, guaranteed, and that's too at night, right? At the right time when people are supposed to go fishing, they didn't catch anything. Can you imagine what would have happened if you go into the lake 
at the time where you're not supposed to go fishing, all the more you're not going to catch anything. So Peter knew this is like, I can, I can do this, but it's going to cost me. Because if I go out, right, and I come back and not catch anything, that means I have to continue to clean the nets again, and that means I'm going to miss out on the next fishing trip. Because remember, this guy hasn't slept all night, right? This is the time to go sleeping because they were tired and had to get ready for the following day fishing trip so that they could catch something so that they could eat. So it's something doable, but very risky for Peter. It's going to cost him. It's going to cost his men something, and possibly it's going to cost them the next fishing trip where they could possibly get something. So this is Peter's response to Peter. He said, Master, we've worked, all, we've worked hard all night. We didn't go for just one or two hours. We spent the whole night, and we haven't caught anything. And, Je- and I imagine Peter had this thought in his mind. But then, this guy is different. His teaching is so powerful. It's not only full of authority, but it's so much full of grace and love and mercy. And he healed my mother-in-law. And he healed everybody in the village. Maybe this guy knows something I don't. And so Peter said something that changed the trajectory of his whole life. And if you can say this one phrase that Peter said, it has the potential to change the trajectory of your life also. Here's how Peter responded to the request of Jesus. He said, but because you say so. But because you say so. Come on, I want everybody to say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. But because you say so. One more time. One, two, three. But because you say so, I'll do it, Jesus. You know, there are a lot of things in life we're not sure about, right? There are a lot of things in life where we, we have the hunch, but we don't, we're not really sure. We don't have an answer to every question that we have. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe God is nudging you. For those of you who are exploring faith, maybe there's this nagging feeling inside your heart, and you don't know what it is. You know, you, you're restless. Maybe you're successful in what you do. Maybe you're doing well with your family, but you still have this restlessness, and you don't know. You can't put a finger on it. And that's why maybe you're here, all right? And you don't know if you should take that next step of faith. I don't know what that next step looks like to you. Maybe keep coming back to church. Maybe start reading the Bible. I don't know, right? But this is a phrase that you can say. God, I don't know everything. I don't know where I should go. I have a feeling that you want me to explore faith because you said so. I'll I'll do it. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years. But then your life is is no better than those who don't follow Jesus. Maybe you you still don't have a purpose in your life. Maybe you're still not sure about a lot of things. And maybe one of the reasons for that is because you haven't been faithful in following Jesus. Maybe you have excuses for everything. Maybe you have excuses for staying bitter. Maybe because you have excuses for not forgiving. Maybe you have excuses for not giving and be generous. Maybe you have excuses for a lot of other things. That's why your Christian life is just blah. Like, 
I don't, I don't feel any different. In fact, being a Christian is getting tiring now for me. Maybe that's because you haven't been following Jesus. Maybe this is the phrase that you need to start saying. Jesus, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But because you say so. And this is exactly what Peter did. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. You know, Peter, this is where my initials, my first story became relevant. Peter, he didn't know what hang in the balance of his decision to obey Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. He didn't know what hang in the balance. If Peter had not said yes to Jesus, he would have remained an obscure, nameless, first century fisherman forgotten by everybody. Correct? Peter didn't know that he was going to get this. <laughs> what is that? This is the Basilica of St. Peter. All right? According to history, this is the, the site where Peter was buried. Peter didn't know that. He didn't know what hung in the balance of his decision to say yes to Jesus. This is amazing. One of my bucket lists is to visit this place. If you look at the interior of this place, it's like amazing. It's incredible that this could be built. This was built in the 1500. It took 120 years to build St. Peter Basilica. Again, my bucket list, you know, I didn't know how they did it. Uh, even now, it's quite impressive. But back then, it's even more impressive, right? So this is what Peter got. Again, not that he wanted this, but the reason why we name our, our children Peter, the reason why we know even the name Peter is because back way 2,000 years ago, Jesus asked Peter for a simple request that he could do. He didn't ask Peter to preach the Bible. He didn't ask Peter to do amazing things. He just asked Peter, hey, would you let down your net for me? And he did that in obedience. See, Luke was trying to tell us that faith is always action-oriented. It's not enough for you to just believe and expect miracles to happen in your life. But when you start applying your faith, when you start activating your faith, that's when you're going to start seeing miracles. So Peter didn't know what hung in the balance, but he knew the next step that he needed to take. You are like Peter. I'm like Peter. We don't know a lot of things that hang in the balance of our decision to obey or disobey God, but we know what is the next step that we could take. So, listen to what happened next. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Again, why did Luke include this story in the biography of Jesus? Why did Jesus, why did Luke include nature miracles stories in his biography of Jesus? This is the reason why. Because the ministry of Jesus is not just characterized by what he taught. The ministry of Jesus is more characterized by who he claimed to be. So in doing the healing miracle, in doing this nature miracle, which like is impossible, right? To happen. The, the fisherman, Peter knew this cannot be coincidence. In doing so, Jesus is revealing to the people who he truly was that he was no ordinary person. And so this is what happened. 
when Simon Peter saw this, when he saw the miracle before his eye, he said, we're rich, we're rich. We don't have to work for the next month. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. Peter didn't say, Jesus, let's do this together. Let's partner together. Let's write up a contract for three years. You get 30% of the... No. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and says to him, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Notice suddenly Peter changed the title of Jesus from Master to Lord. Go away from me, Lord. And I'm telling you, Peter was at this point, he was genuinely fearful of Jesus. He was genuinely fearful of Jesus because in the next verse, it says, Jesus tells Peter, do not be afraid because Jesus saw the fear in Peter's face, in Peter's eyes. His face must have turned so white, like, go away from me, Lord. I am such a sinful man. Why did Peter say that? Because it doesn't compute in his theology. In his theology, a God like Jesus, because he knew Jesus cannot be just an ordinary person. In his theology, God, a God like Jesus will not come near to a person like him. Because the religious leaders never did. Because in his theology, God must have wanted to distance himself from sinful people like him. But Jesus came. Not only to be near, Jesus came to draw people near. Jesus invited himself to the lives of the people that he served. He actually told Peter, Peter, let's go fishing. And then the next time he would meet a person called Matthew, and he would say, Matthew, I want, I want to go to your party. And then he would meet another person called Zacchaeus, another tax collector. And he said, Zacchaeus, I want to invite myself to come to your house. That's the God that Jesus is bringing to the people, the God who wants to be near sinful people. And that's what's amazing about this whole story of Jesus. And that's why it looks at, you know why I, I, I go all out in writing this biography of Jesus in such great detail? You know why? This is the reason why. Because I'm one of those sinful people that Jesus saved. And you could be one too. And that's why I want you to know for certain that this guy called Jesus, he's not only a real historical person, but everything that he did, everything that he said, what happened to him later, his death and resurrection, everything did really happen. And the reason why it happened is because God wanted to be near you. God wanted to save you. God wanted to save me from our own sinful doings, right? We're bringing this curse on ourselves. And God doesn't even need to punish us. We punish ourselves because of our wrongdoing, because of behavior. Look at the world around us. You know, we are in a lot of trouble, not because it's a punishment from God. It's our own doing. And Jesus came to save us from that. And so Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. Notice Jesus didn't ask Peter to leave their business and follow him immediately. Jesus threw the breadcrumbs, you know. Hey, you could do this. Hey, can you get me to the shore, Peter? I could do that. Hey, Peter, you want to go fishing? It's going to be costly for me, but I can do that. You see, Jesus is not asking you. He's not asking me to make a big leap of faith. Jesus said, 
whatever you can give me, I'll take it, right? If you want to uh, take your time in exploring, in studying, in, in, in making sure that your faith is not just a, a leap in the dark, do it, Jesus said. Take the next step, whatever that next step is. Because the Christian faith is not a leap in the dark. And so Peter said, I followed Jesus because he did this fish trick on me. But you know why you should follow Jesus? You know why? I wrote about this, Peter would say. You should follow Jesus not because, what he, not because of what he can do for you. You need to follow Jesus because of what he has done for you. And so Peter, this same Peter, a fisherman, he too wrote something about Jesus. And he said this in one of his letters. When they hurled their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And Peter said, I can vouch for that. I was with him for three and a half years. This is so Jesus. He was mistreated. He was mischaracterized. He was misjudged. He did not open his mouth. He did not defend himself. He just entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so they crucified him. They crucified him. And this is what Peter said. And this is why you need to follow Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That's why I followed Jesus. I didn't follow Jesus just because he did this fish trick on me. That was the initial reason. But ultimately, I continued to follow Jesus. I gave my life for Jesus because he bore our sin on his body. So this morning, my challenge to you is to take that next step, whatever that next step is. Again, I want you to get used to saying this phrase. Throughout this week, can you do that? Maybe you have this nudge, you know, this nudge to help someone, but you're worried that you're not going to have enough for yourself. <laughs> you know? But you know that could be the Holy Spirit nudging you to be generous, to sacrifice. But then you, you, know, you rationalize in your brain, oh, but I got this mortgage to pay, but I got this bill to pay, oh, I can't do this. Take a deep breath. And say, because you said so, I'm going to do it. Maybe for you, you're not a Christian. And you, take, you need to take that next step. To continue to explore faith. Maybe to start reading the Bible. Start reading from the Gospel of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible. Just approach any one of us. We would be glad to give you a Bible. Start reading. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you don't know it was God. Maybe you were not sure what it was. But just say what Peter said. Because you say so, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow this, this, this nudge, right? Because guess what? You don't know what hang in the balance of your decision to follow Jesus. You really don't. And I can guarantee you, like Mike said at the beginning, following Jesus will make you better at life and will make your life better. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.